Hi, this is Pastor Brittany Isaac from Urban Village Church, Chicago. We are a church that is bold, inclusive, and relevant. I know that many of you out there are hungry for a gospel message of healing and wholeness, a message that leads to a life transformed by Christ. I hope that this podcast does just that. And if it does, would you please consider making a financial gift that will support this gospel-inclusive ministry? You can do that by going to urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks so much and have a blessed day. Good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Theo, and I'll be reading the scripture today. It's Romans seven fourteen to 25. I'm reading in Spanish, but here is in English, too. <laughs> Okay. Sabemos en efecto que la ley de, es espiritual, pero yo meramente humano y estoy vendido al, al, es, como esclavo al pecado. No entiendo lo que me pasa, pero no hago lo que quiero, sino lo que aborrezco. Ahora bien, si no hago lo que quiero, estoy de acuerdo que la ley es buena. Pero en ese caso, yo no soy quien lo lleva a cabo, sino el pecado que habita en mí. Yo sé que en mí, es decir, en mi naturaleza pecaminosa, nada bueno habita. Aunque deseo hacer lo bueno, no soy capaz de hacerlo. De hecho, no hago el bien que quiero, sino el mal que no quiero. Y si hago lo que no quiero, yo no soy quien lo hace, sino el pecado que habita en mí. Así que descubro esa ley, que cuando quiero hacer el bien, me acompaña el mal. Porque en lo íntimo de mi ser, me deleito en la ley de Dios. Pero me doy cuenta de que en los miembros de mi cuerpo hay otra ley, que es la ley del pecado. Esta ley lucha contra la ley de mi mente y me tiene cautivo. Soy un pobre miserable. ¿Quién me librará de este cuerpo mortal? Gracias, Dios lo hará. En conclusión, con la mente yo mismo me someto a la ley de Dios, pero mi naturaleza pecaminosa está sujeta a la ley del pecado. The world of God, for the people of God. I, there it is. I, I too, uh, want to do a couple, couple things. I too want to um, give thanks for being present at the um, anniversary of Preston and Jean, and just say like, marriage is like one of the hardest things you'll do in your life if you choose to get married. And sometimes you hate each other, and sometimes you love each other, and um, it is a miracle and a witness to um, God's faithfulness that you all are here. So thank you, and congratulations. Um, and also, Bree, I want to thank you for your testimony, wherever you are. Um, oh, there you are. And, uh, and just being yourself and sharing that. And also, uh, Bree's graphic artwork, has you, you've seen the sign out front that she made for us, so um, for offering your gifts, too. So, yeah. Let us start with prayer. Holy and gracious God, may we have eyes that might see, ears that might hear, and bodies that might align into your will. Open our hearts in this hour um, that we might live a life transformed by your grace. Amen. Amen. So I think I've shared with many of you guys before, uh, if we want to talk about stereotypes, I loved playing softball growing up. And uh, I played it in junior high and high school. Um, and I actually was not a very good batter, so I loved playing defense. 
I uh, loved the competition. I loved the feeling of the ball uh, falling into your glove after like stretching really far or running and catching. You know, I, I loved that. It was awesome. Um, but what I really, so I played, I played a couple positions from like first base to shortstop to center field. But what I really wanted to do, what I really wanted to do was be a pitcher. Um, and what I couldn't understand is why my coach just wouldn't put me in. Uh, so one night, my moment of glory came. Uh, the usual first string pitcher uh, was out with a broken collarbone that didn't have to do with softball. Our two second string pitchers were both like away on vacation or just not there on the game. And so that left me the third string pitcher, which really just meant I wanted to pitch, right? Like I was an official third string. And my friend who was kind of in that third string as well. I was so psyched. Finally, the world was going to see that I should be the first string pitcher, that Alice did not deserve to do it, right? Uh, so we were the home team. We batted a couple runs in, and then it was our turn to play defense. I, my moment of glory was there. I stood there confident and nervous, and I threw the first pitch into the air. It landed perfectly right on home base because it was soft pitch, fastball, or soft pitch, fast pitch uh, slow pitch softball, right? <laughs> landed perfectly on home base. I was vindicated. Then I threw the second pitch, and it landed it almost hit the umpire. <laughs> Ball. Then I threw the third pitch. It was way outside and high. Then I threw the fourth pitch that almost hit the batter. I overcorrected. And eventually, I got my first walk. And then I got another walk and another walk. Um, finally, the inning ended in my great humiliation. My, and they had like 10 runs. <laughs> Bless his heart, my coach let me stay in for one more inning just to make sure that it wasn't nerves, but it in fact was just that I didn't have the talent. Um, and my friend got to close the game. That evening, I got home, and I had to take an honest and fearless inventory of myself and admit that I had no talent as a pitcher. Years later, as I look back at that situation and continue to do an honest inventory of myself, I think that I wanted to be a pitcher because I wanted all the glory, right? I wanted all the attention on me, which I think also might be why I decided to be a pastor, because you all are looking at me for 20 minutes every week. <laughs> Not really. Not really. <laughs> I tell this small story, though, to introduce the idea of having to see ourselves for who we really are, to accept our shortcomings that are a part of all of our lives, to be able to hold a mirror up to ourselves and not flinch, but look honestly at who we are and be okay with it. To know that when we look in that mirror, we will experience sadness and humiliation, but that that comes from our failures and weaknesses, not because of our innate identity as a child of God, right? And so when we can look in that mirror, we can see that these lessons of failing, of, of displaying our weaknesses, are the very path that leads to transformation, right? 
Now, usually they're not as benign as a pitching failure, right? Usually they're deep and cutting failures of friendships and work and family relationships that show us who we are. So today we're beginning this new sermon series called Full Disclosure. And over the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about what we do when we come face to face with these weaknesses in our personality, with these failures of, 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 of what we have done in our life. We're going to be examining what we do when we royally mess up. Can I get an amen or a hand raise if you've ever royally messed up? Boy. Yeah. Hallelujah. Now, yeah. Now, one very distinct and small and concise way of naming the mess-ups, the failures of our life, is to say sin. It's the times when we sin. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about sin and what we do, how we need to confess that sin, first to ourselves and then to God and then to each other. Now, before you go on, I'm sure, I think I may have seen some twitches in your face by me mentioning the word sin. There's a lot of baggage attached to that word, yes? Um, I want to take a moment to unpack the word sin, because I'm going to say it a lot. I'm trying to recondition you that it's like an okay word to talk about, right? We have this baggage, and what happens is we think, if I don't talk about sin, then it won't make me uncomfortable. But the problem is, just because we don't talk about something doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. And actually, when we don't talk about it, it has far more power over us than if we will talk about it. And so we're going to talk about sin for four weeks. And at the end of it, I hope you all are liberated. See, we all experience sin, it surrounds us, we are swimming in it. We all, as, uh, as, as you've heard it say we, before, we all fall, fall short of the glory of God. One way to think about sin comes from the Hebrew word, which means to miss the mark or the goal, or you know, to go along with my theme, home plate. So that's, that's one way to think about it. Another way that I really like is from British author Francis Spufford. He says that sin is the human propensity to F things up. Now when I say that, is anybody like, oh yeah, yeah, okay, I get it. It's universal, right? This is what Paul is talking about in our scripture today. He's actually talking about uh, the nation of Israel under the rule of Torah. But we know when we hear these words that it also applies to us individually. See, what happens is Israel, they see what is right to do. They know what is right to do. Um, and, And they reject what is hateful. And then what Paul says is they desire to do good, the desire to do good inside of me, but I can't do it. I don't do the good that I want to do, but I do the evil that I don't want to do. Has anybody ever done that? Yeah. It happens all the time. I'm going to give you a quick example. And this example, though may feel humiliating to me, I know is universal because I've seen your Facebook memes. (laughs) So hold on. So a couple months after Ruby was born, I went to the doctor for a a checkup. And uh, my doctor is a very... She doesn't, there's no flowery language. 
And so she said, you need to lose weight. Your sugar levels are up. Your blood pressure is up. Nothing is in dangerous zone yet, but it's getting there, and you need to lose weight. Go to Weight Watchers. <laughs> and I, uh, I realized, yeah, she's right. I think I maybe gained um, the sympathy weight right along with Monica when she gained her pregnancy weight. Um, and the problem is she lost the weight when she gave birth, but I was still <laughs> holding my weight. Um, and so I, I knew I needed to lose weight, right? And I wanted to lose weight. I wanted to eat healthier. I knew it would be good for me. And yet, uh, on my way home from the doctor's office, I'm pretty sure I stopped by the grocery store for ice cream because we were out of it. Can I get an amen? Anybody done that? Here is what we know we should do. And here is where we measure up. Right? See, we can't avoid sin. In the chapter that we read today, uh, Paul says this. It's just not possible to avoid sin. And I'm not talking about eating ice cream. Perhaps it's a sin like we're short-tempered with our uh, opposite politically-leaning uncle. And we say to ourselves before that 4th of July family gathering, I am going to keep my temper. My uncle is a child of God. He can have his opinions and I can have my opinions. It doesn't mean that I need to lose my temper and yell at him. And then he's grilling the hot dogs and he says something and it just flips you and you go, right? You know. Here is where we think we should be. And here's where we measure up. Or perhaps you're like really full of pride and you think, I'm going to work on this pride thing. And then you feel like you've worked on your pride, but then you feel pride about that. (laughs) And so the harder you work, the harder it becomes. Here's where we think we should be. And here's where we measure up. This is because we can't will ourselves to change. We can't do it on our own. We can't just decide we're going to be better people. Oh, this is a shortcoming in myself. I will work on it and fix it. We can't do that, and that's okay. Because that's actually not the point of our life with God, to decide we're going to do it all ourselves and figure it out. The point of a life with God is to accept to absolutely accept that we are powerless over sin and to see that it is only the almighty and vulnerable God that has the power to change us. And then it is to make the decision to turn our will and our life over to God's great love and grace. Being able to see and confess to ourselves our own shortcomings, it's actually Here's where we are, here's where we land, or here's where we want to be, here's where we land. It's actually an invitation to dwell in God's love and grace. If we didn't see our sin, we wouldn't need God. In Romans chapter 5, so just a couple chapters before, Paul actually says this. He says, the law was given to multiply the opportunities of failing so that grace can be even greater. 
Because when, we sin, when it is a competition of sin versus grace, guess who's going to win every time? Grace. Every time. Hands down. We see the gap between what we want and what we do, and it shows us how much we have to turn our life over to God's great love and grace. Now, some of this language I have been using, if any of you are in the 12-step program, does it, you don't have to say amen because that's, um, I I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm using some of this language of the 12 steps. The 12 steps to sobriety from any addiction, and I will say that I think we're all addicted to something. That's sin. That's sin. Some of us are just less fortunate because we see those addictions, right? Like, it's harder to cover up um, an addiction to crystal meth than it is to cover up an addiction to control. So I've been using some of that language because it is the language of truth, and it is the language of discipleship and how we should live. And we as Christians have similar language. A couple weeks ago, when wherever Teo went, when we baptized Teo and um, Amelia and received new members, we did a confession of faith. And the language is different. The Christian language is different, but it's the same thing. To know that you're powerless, to recognize that God's love and grace is the only power that will change you, to solve this human propensity to F things up and to surrender to God. So those are the first three steps. And then the fourth step fits in with our theme today, which is confessing to ourselves, to do a a fearless and moral inventory of who we are. That's what the fourth step says. See, once we see that we can't do this thing on our own and we have surrendered, it's time to begin to do our own shadow boxing. Now, I want to make sure, because I'm talking about this, taking an inventory of ourselves, confessing our sins to ourselves, I want to make sure uh, to clarify this, because many of us have a very strong internal critic that is already driving us crazy, right? It's already being really judgmental toward us. And that comes from a variety of things. It could come from parents. It could come from a judgmental church. It can come from our uh, Puritan culture that we have sometimes, right? And so we, we, we try to run away and leave that, but it's still this tape that goes on and on in our head. So I want to say that when we talk about sin, when we talk about confessing to ourselves, we're saying, I made a mistake. Not, I am a mistake. We're saying, I messed up. Not, I am messed up. You get it? I hear you. You guys said amen without me even asking, so (laughs) that must have struck something. It's why I started this sermon series, though, with the benign example of softball pitching. Because when we start talking about our behaviors, there's a lot of shame that comes up. And we go to that, I'm a mistake, right? So when I say I missed the mark, literally, at home plate, over and over again, that wasn't that I was a failure as a human being. 
it was that I failed at pitching. I failed to hit the plate, right? So when we confess to ourselves, we have to keep this idea in mind. It's not about our innate um, sense of being as God's child, as God's beloved. Paul shows us this in a way when he says, if I do the very thing that I don't want to do, then I'm not the one doing it anymore. Instead, it is sin that lives in me that is doing it. So do you see he's separating his actions from his identity as a a beloved child of God? He's saying that there are things we do because within all of us is this human propensity to F things up, not because we're wretched human beings. Now, the other thing is we don't take a a moral inventory of who we are as a way of discovering how good or bad we are um, so that we can live on some sort of moral high ground. It's not about that. Um, That would also be dangerous in growing our pride, if that's anything anybody needs to work on. When we are doing this honest shadow boxing, this honest inventory of ourselves, confessing our sin to ourselves, what we are doing is beginning a spiritual awakening path that leads to transformation. Jesus said in the Gospel of John, the truth will set you free. That's what we're going for, to be set free. In another gospel story, Jesus says that we have to remove the log in our eye before we can help our sister or our brother remove the splinter in their eye. In their eye. So this is the shadow boxing that I'm talking about, the confession or realization of our mistakes. It is a way for us to grow in our own self-awareness. And we do this knowing that we are held in the mystery of grace and love. We do it knowing that we ourselves are powerless over sin and that it is only but for the grace of God that we can be free, whole, and alive. We confess to ourselves because we know that being held in grace allows us to see ourselves for who we are and that this will always lead to transformation. Not by our power, but by God's. So Father Anthony DeMello uh, he, is a, he was a Jesuit priest from India, and he says it this way. I was neurotic for years. I was anxious and depressed and selfish. He's done some shadow boxing, right? He continues, everyone kept telling me to change. I resented them, and I agreed with them, and I wanted to change, but I simply couldn't do it, no matter how hard I tried. Then one day someone said to me, don't change. I love you just the way you are. Those words were music to my ears. Don't change. Don't change. Don't change. I love you as you are. I relaxed. I came alive. And suddenly... I changed. When we surrender to God's perfect love, fully aware of the log in our eye, we have taken the first leap on the path of spiritual awakening and transformation. But there's more leaps to make, 
And next week, we're going to be talking about confession again, but this time to God. What does it mean to confess to God, and how do we do that? It'll be a step further in the dive to spiritual transformation. But for now, for today, for this week, know that honest shadowboxing, confessing to ourselves, taking a fearless and moral inventory, will open us to the transformation and restoration to God and to others.